And welcome again to New Hope Church in the house online. We're glad to have you with us. I am Tom, or as TC calls me, PT, (laughs) Pastor Tom. And um, I have the privilege today of sharing God's word with you as we head into 2024. We're thinking, what is this? next year bring to us. We look back, we look forward. And one of the most important things that we do is to grow, to grow spiritually. Now, if I ask you the question, how do you grow spiritually? Most of us would give the standard answers. Go to church, read your Bible, pray. And those are all very important actions and activities. But you know, You can do a lot of stuff, even spiritually speaking, and yet not grow, right? And so what the Lord desires for us is a heart for him. Do the things we're called to do, but most of all, the Lord desires heart change. And so we're going over to the book of Philippians this morning where the apostle called the church of Philippi to heart change. And Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 through chapter 4 verse 1 is where we're going to settle in at. So if you have a Bible, open your Bible, use your electronic device, use church center app. All those are good ways to follow along or you can follow along on the slides. Here's the big idea of the message. Press into Jesus as you press on for the prize. I'll be explaining more of that throughout the message. We're gonna be giving some principles from the passage, but this is the main summary message of this section of scripture. So beginning with chapter three, verse 12. How do we grow? We admit that we need to grow. That's the first step, is just recognize, as Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Christ Jesus takes hold of us and we press on. We press in and we press on. Paul writes 30 years after his conversion. And yet, even the amazing Apostle Paul, who planted church after church, whom God used to bring God's revelation, even he says, I admit, I still need to grow. I still need to grow. You still need to grow. We begin by recognizing that we have a need to grow. We don't ever arrive. And once we think we've arrived, we haven't arrived. We keep changing, keep transforming. Encourage you to start reflecting if you haven't done it yet, what's changing? What's gonna be different in 2024 compared to 2023? What's changing? How are you becoming more like Jesus? in the way you respond to life, in the way you go about life, in your attitude, thinking, emotional responses, God desires us to change. 
If we become self-satisfied, satisfied, our spiritual growth stops. John Newton, the slave trader, wrote to him Amazing Grace. No relation to Olivia Newton-John, as far as I know. John Newton, only old people probably remember that uh, name. But uh, anyway, John Newton, the slave trader, came to faith in Christ, and here is what he said. I have ever to confess with sorrow that I am far from being what I ought to be and far from what I wish to be. But also, blessed be God's name to testify that I am far, very far from what I once was. And this is a good summary of how we approach the Christian life, being thankful. I'm thankful. Are you? For what God has done in my life. And I believe you are too, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And yet, recognizing, still got things that God's working on me. Just like an athlete never stops training, the Christian never stops growing. Verse 13 says, be focused. This is the next principle as we press into Jesus and press on for the prize. Be focused, verse 13, the first part of it. Brothers, I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it. Again, he's saying, recognize that we're not there. But, contrast, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. One thing I do, I'm single-minded, I'm focused, and Focusing means looking at what's ahead, not looking around at what other people are doing, not looking at all the distractions that we have, but looking straight ahead. As an illustration, I remember when I was in driver's ed many, many years ago, and one of my friends, you know, back in those days, you do driver's ed, and... One of my friends was also in the car with me, and it was his turn to drive. But here was the problem. He'd never driven before, never been behind the wheel. And so we get into the car. The driver's ed instruction says, okay, go ahead, get on the street. He immediately turns and goes over the curb. I buckle my seatbelt a little bit tighter. And we survived that. And then the day came where we got out on the highway. He's driving again, and he's all over the road, back and forth. And the driver's ed instructor said, just look way down the road, straight ahead. Don't be looking out the windows and so close to the car. And, you know, when he put his sights on the road, he was generally straight on the highway. Principle. God calls us to look at him, to not be distracted by all the things on the side. And if we look straight ahead, if we're single-minded, if we're focused, then we're following the path that he has for us. And we're not going to end up in the ditch. A couple of passages in James chapter 1, verse 8 
James says a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. We're called to be focused. And that means that we're focused on growing in Jesus. Next principle, the end of verse 13. Don't be held back by the past. When we change years, that's a good time to think about the past, isn't it? And to think about where have I been, what's happened, what's gone on, and how can I get a good start into 2024? Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So think of a sprinter in the starting blocks getting ready to run the race. Now, what if that sprinter has an extra 20 pounds around his waist? Is he going to run very fast? No. He needs to cut off those 20 pounds and run the race. Now, cuts the 20 pounds off. He's in the race. Is he looking back at those 20 pound weights back there the whole time? No, he, know, he knows the weights are back there, right? But he's running the race. So in the Christian life, we recognize, we recognize sinful patterns, we recognize experiences that have happened, we recognize bad habits. We recognize hurts that have happened. And these are all very real things. But we live today and in the future. We look at the past. We reflect on the past. We evaluate the past. We evaluate our experiences. We learn from the past. But friends, if we're dragging that weight, we're not going to be moving forward in the way that Jesus wants us to move forward. So don't go back and pick up that weight again. Do whatever it takes to get that, whatever it is, that pattern, that hurt, that disappointment, that struggle, that emotional pattern. Release that. Good example of this is over in the book of Genesis. You remember Joseph. You remember what had happened to Joseph? Joseph's brothers had treated him in an awful way, had thrown him in a hole, had sold him, sold him into slavery. He was carted off to Egypt, we remember cut off forever from his family. Eventually, to make a long, long story short, eventually his brothers come before him and Joseph weeping. Do you remember what he said? He says, you intended to harm me, but, he says, but God intended what has happened to accomplish good, what is now being done for the saving of many lives. 
And he recognized that even in the most awful things that had happened, that God could use this for the saving of Israel in his life, in their lives. And that's part of the process that we go through when we release and move on. Now, the fact is that not only hurts, not only the sins of the past, not only the patterns of the past need to be released, but even in a sense, the successes of the past, right? Because those trophies can get in the way of moving on with what God wants for us. And so we not only have to release the disappointments and the failures, but even the successes in a sense. Again, not forgetting those things. Praise God for the great things that he has done. And we are called to celebrate what he has done. But let's don't be stuck there. We don't want to turn our trophies into rocking chairs. We're still moving forward as long as we can move forward. Keep growing. Keep growing. Keep going. In fact, the word here that is used is straining. Every ounce of effort is the idea behind this. Again, like an athlete who is striving to move forward, to give maximum effort. Verse 14 gives us the next principle. Again, it brings up the idea of pressing on. Press into Jesus and then press on. Press on to please God for the prize. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We keep our eyes on the finish line. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. And we keep running, we keep going, keep working. So the question comes up, what's the prize? Some people... Some commentators say, well, the prize is the crown of life. Well, then we have to ask, what's that? Jesus tells a parable. He tells about how there was a master and a servant, and eventually when the servant is obedient and does what he's called to do, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. I think that's more of what's being talked about here in terms of the prize. The prize is pleasing God. Remember Eric Liddell, the Olympic runner, the great movie Chariots of Fire, and he said, I, I run for God's pleasure, for God's glory. And that's the idea here is that we're motivated as we do what God calls us to do to please God for God's pleasure. Well done, good and faithful servant. I think that's the prize, to meet Jesus, to keep growing. Verse 15 is the next principle. Pursue maturity, pursue growth through self-evaluation. We've already talked a little bit about this. But this gets a little more into it. All of us who are mature, verse 15, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. Growing Christians evaluate themselves. That's hard to do. But as we grow, we become aware of what's going on. We become aware of our rough edges, of sinful patterns, and the opposite is also true. If we're not growing, if we're immature, then we're not 
self-reflecting. You say, well, that's, that's hard to do. Yeah, it is hard to do. And one of the ways that we can do it better is to ask people who know us, what do you see in my life? If you're brave enough, ask someone, what do you see in my life that isn't reflecting Jesus? What do you see that I can work on? Because yeah, we all have our blind spots and it helps when someone who knows us well can speak into our lives. A friend, a spouse, a parent, a son, a daughter, a wise person. I dare you. Ask someone, what do you see in my life that needs to be more like Jesus? Do a little self-evaluation with a little help. Next principle, verse 16. Okay, we're running the race. Don't lose ground. Verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Remember the story about the little boy? His mother put him in bed, and soon after he fell asleep, she heard thump. And she went running into the bedroom, cared for him, comforted him, said to him, what's going on? And he said, I don't know, Mommy, but I think I went to sleep too near where I got in. <laughs> and that can happen in our lives, can it? If we don't intentionally grow. We don't, we don't just stop once we come to Christ. We keep growing like a tree that's healthy. There'll be years of drought. We won't grow as much. There'll be diseases that come along and that tree may not grow as much, but it keeps growing and we keep growing, whether it's been a year of drought, year of disease, tough year, good year, God says, grow. Verse 17 gives the next principle, follow good examples. One of those principles that we all know. Join with others in following my example, brothers. Take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Follow positive examples. We tell our children that all the time. Tell ourselves that. It's much easier to say than it is to execute. Research study was done by Harvard University. Now listen, a few years ago, this study was done to determine people's values and their behavior. What was the best way to change? Harvard said, following a good example. That was the best way to change. The number one way, here's exactly what they said. Modeling one's life after an example is the number one way that people's lives are changed. The word here that Paul uses is mimic me. Over in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow my example, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Where you see Jesus in someone's life, Imitate it. If they're not following Jesus, don't imitate it. 
It's a pattern, he says. And that word is used over in John chapter 20, verse 25, this word pattern, when Thomas went up to Jesus and he said, unless I see the pattern or the nail marks, that same word, unless I see the, the impression in your hands, I will not believe it. So we talk sometimes about making a mark or making an impression. And this is what an example does, doesn't it? It makes an impression upon us. And the impression should be the impression of Jesus. Verse 18 and 19 says, on the other hand, follow positive examples, be warned by ungodly examples. For as I have often told you, now say again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Paul looked at the way some people were living, and he said it breaks his heart. Sometimes we look at the way people are living. It should break our hearts, and it does. In fact, Paul uses very strong language here, doesn't he? As he evaluates people's self-destructive lifestyle, he describes it as a person controlled by their animal appetites. Their God is their stomach, is what he says. He says they're just controlled by what they eat. And th this is the description of the bad example, the person controlled by self-satisfying appetites, whether those appetites are food or drink or sex or drugs or materialism, whatever it is that controls and drives a person instead of Jesus. He uses strong words here. He calls people who are controlled by their animal appetites enemies of the cross. Why would he use that phrase, enemies of the cross? Because the cross is the place where Jesus poured out his life for us, for our sins. We're going to be celebrating in communion in just a little while. It's the place where Jesus died for your sins and mine. Where God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The cross is the place where Jesus sacrificed himself. The place where Jesus poured himself out. And when we, when others pour themselves into self-satisfaction, it's the exact opposite of glorying in the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why he uses this phrasing. What are we going to glory in? Is it the sacrifice of Jesus and come to him? Or are we going to glory in our own appetites? So follow good examples, learn what are bad examples, shameful examples. Then live as a citizen of heaven is one of the principles here. Verses 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will become like his lowly bodies. We're pressing into Jesus as we press on for the prize and he's changing us. Now the Philippians lived in the city of Philippi and it was a Roman outpost. 
They were citizens of Rome living in Philippi. And so the language that is picked up here is the idea that we are citizens of heaven living here on this earth. And one of the hardest things to do is to get unattached from this world and attached to the world that really matters, eternal life. We're citizens of heaven living on this earth. We're not citizens of this world. Our names are written there. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, our Father is there. Our home is there. Our brothers and sisters are there. Our inheritance is there. Everything that is worth anything is there. And we live as citizens of heaven in this place, this time, this family, this church, this community. And once you recognize your identity in Christ as a citizen of heaven, that also propels growth, recognizing that every day we are representatives of the greatest kingdom that there ever is, the only kingdom that matters. And heaven's best citizen, most outstanding citizen, it says, is returning one day. Jesus will come and he will transform these bodies that we have, not only from the inside out, but from, from the outside in. And we look forward to that day. Final principle. Therefore, chapter 4, verse 1, keep growing. Keep growing today by standing firm in the Lord. Press into Jesus. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. There's a whole sermon in this text, but we're just going to finish with the fact that ultimately we don't do this on our own, in our own power. We stand firm where? In the Lord, in his power, in his strength, in his help. You can't stand firm on your own strength, your parents' strength, strength of your friends, other church members, only in the Lord. We stand firm in the Lord. So this is not a message today on self-improvement. It's a message saying, Cast yourself upon the Lord and then run the race that he calls you to run. Press into Jesus as you press on for the prize. This time, as we prepare for communion, I invite you, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've trusted in him, if you've been born again, then you're a part of the family of God. And so communion is a family meal. It's a time to remember what Jesus has accomplished, a time to cast yourself upon him, a time to press into him and call upon him to take some time to reflect. God, what are you calling me to do? God, what are you calling me to change? God, where are you calling me to go? So I invite you to take this time during communion to worship, to reflect, and to ask, God, change me. God, use me.
God, transform me from the inside out. This time we invite our ushers to come as we have offering together. We'll pass out the bread. We'll pass out the cup. Please hold it, and then we'll take it together. We invite you as we sing the song Build My Life to please uh, spend this time in worship.